0: on to our next episode of the IOIT podcast. I'm here with Jim Brent and Edward Gordon. Hello. How y'all doing? How's it going? It's going well. How about you, Sriram? It's going great. I think we have something really interesting to talk about today. Right, Uh, Edward?
1: Yes, absolutely agree. It's something that I I find really interesting since I love uh, biology and biotech and, you know, future research methods. So I think today we'll be talking about a a technique that's called CRISPR.
0: CRISPR. Yeah, it's been on the news a lot. There was that famous case recently about a CRISPR being used on a human gene that caused a lot of controversy. So today, I guess, we'll talk about what CRISPR is and what it could be used for and
1: why people are a little concerned about it. Yes, absolutely. And to your point, there was a news article about a scientist in China who used it on two zygotes and tweaked it for a certain specific purpose
2: right so before we dive too much into that why don't you Edward tell us like what CRISPR is and what it does
1: yeah 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 absolutely absolutely so CRISPR is actually an acronym. It stands for clustered regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats. I'm gonna it be can, honest, I don't know what that means. Sure, <laughs> sure. So if, if you break it down, clustered, there's multiple of these sequences that are spaced little bits apart.
2: You're gonna have to go even bare basic than that. Spaces are clusters of what? Like what yeah, are you
1: talking? <laughs> yeah. So it's specifically a DNA chain. So in bacteria, the scientists were looking and they found that in bacteria genes, they have these little sections that repeat themselves, they're identifiers, and they're palindromic. So for anyone like race car, it's the same forward as it is backwards. So inside of DNA, you have four different base pairs. You have A, C, G, and T are the short letters for it. So inside of these DNA chains, they found that some spots will be like A, A, C, C, A, A. So it's palindromic, right? They're the same right. forwards as backwards. So it could be C, A, A, C. But what they found out was that for bacteria, it was a way that they could repair their DNA. Just in case anything went wrong, they could compare one strand of DNA to another strand that they had it's of the exact same and they could use these palindromic little sections to be able to look through it and go oh that's what it's supposed to be and then they'd go back and then they would go and they repair their dna so, so they could fix themselves
2: so they would literally like rip apart their own dna and insert the correct pairs so that it would repair themselves is what you're yes. saying like so it was what your example was a a c c a a what if it was and if it was like A A C A A, they would be able to open up their own DNA, insert that C that's missing, and then close it again?
1: Yeah, they would be they would be able to fix sections wow. of it.
2: Okay. And again, that's a basic example. I'm assuming that it's it could be up to hundreds and hundreds of pairs long, is that correct?
1: Absolutely. And so these short little palindromic sections, these little repeats, mm-hmm. are where they're able to make these identification spots okay, so that they can compare it and figure out that one chain is different than another chain.
2: And this is how it first came about, what scientists were studying bacteria? Yes. And and then they found these?
1: Absolutely. So it specifically started in bacteria because bacteria are a very simple form of an organism, Mm -hmm. right? It's a single-celled organism and sometimes viruses can get into it and can attach their own dna so that's what viruses how they replicate is that they attach their dna into their host dna chain and bacteria can Uh actually read through their dna and figure out oh this section shouldn't be like this and fix it
0: that is really cool Hmm. So they use these little palindromic sections to kind of line themselves up between when they're comparing two strands, they use those as the spots where they line up? Absolutely. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. So, right.
1: so if they're wanting to, to check, check, uh-huh. their DNA, those are their start and stops. Those are where they'll, they'll line it up and they'll look and they'll see, oh, there's a mistake here. There shouldn't be a mistake here. Hmm. Let, me, okay. let me fix it. And this is their native
0: DNA. These these aren't like plasmids.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is just its native DNA and just a mechanism in it. So it uses... So CRISPR is the technique of doing this, noticing that there are these repeats.
2: So I always had thought that CRISPR was a machine. It's not. It's a biological process. Yes. Originally.
1: Originally. And it still is. So it's typically paired with something called Cas9. Which is a protein, Okay. which was a protein inside of a specific type of bacteria that's able to go in and link into DNA and to be able to do this reading and correcting.
2: And opening and closing and
1: yeah. whatever. Yeah, and, and, com- and comparing
2: it. So my understanding is that it doesn't just, you know, open and close it, it can open, delete, And then close or open, change, and then close or even insert entirely different ones. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yeah. And so that's what makes it really interesting is that you can, as a scientist, as a researcher, you can design your own strand of DNA. You can design something that you want to add in. Say I want to add in a gene to copy insulin and I want to put it into a yeast cell. Mm -hmm. Then I can make that and i can add in this cas9 with the crispr technique and i can add that dna strand into the host dna at a exact specific location it's within 5 to 10 base pairs of accuracy wow. so
0: i see the cas9 but how does that, the the repeating palindromic part help in this
1: so that's what you use to be able to as an identifier you make it so that the repeating portions mm-hmm. are your initial connection. And then you'll go and you'll take your strand of RNA. And so then you open the DNA at these palindromic locations. Mm-hmm. And then that's where the D- it'll look and it'll go, oh, oops, I'm supposed to have this in this location. And it'll attach it in.
2: Yeah, can you go from like the beginning? Of, so a scientist can literally take RNA and make those base pairs the a a c c a a like a scientist can do that right yes and then from there he puts it in the cas9 was it cas9
1: cas9 so
2: he has to find this protein and then insert the RNA or the identifier into the cas9 correct yes so but after he finds that identifier he can technically behind that identifier add whatever the heck he wants correct behind it or how does that work
1: yeah so you use the identifier as the initial attachment and then you add whatever strand of DNA you want okay to add in is it just or like remove. It just, yeah. or remove yeah. yeah whatever section of DNA you want to affect that's yeah. where you allow it so you allow the Cas9 to have a strand that attaches in at a specific location so then it can add or delete or do whatever you want to do to DNA.
2: Obviously, you know this was first found at single-celled organisms and that's how they were doing it. Yeah. Say, you know, you know do it to a human, you'd need to do it to all of their cells in the body. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's where it becomes interesting, curious, difficult, all different ways, right? Then you get into gene therapy and you mm-hmm. get into... To the idea of, is it a certain set of cells that are having a problem? Can I put it just into the liver? And then it just edit the liver cells. And then because that's what's either producing it or what's causing it, that's the underlying aspect of it. Or do you need to be able to put it in to a human and it needs to go throughout the whole body? I think that's still an area trying to be figured out most of the time becomes a question of feasibility if you need to do it to every cell right because that's the the aspect of our bodies of why it's they're so efficient of a machine is because we're constantly replicating ourselves and we're constantly making new ones and letting old ones die off that's why they say you can your allergies can change every nine years because that's about the time span when you get a new set of cells that could now be susceptible to a new allergy. Mm. But in the very simple aspect, it can be very useful for research. So if you want, you can make a cell culture and then you can say type one diabetes. You could take a cell culture and you could delete out the section that makes it respond to insulin. Mm -hmm. So now you are effectively making an exact replica of the environment of a disease state. And then you are able to test different treatments against it without having to raise like, you know, rats and mice and other type of organisms.
0: So with the CRISPR, are you essentially providing a template for the native cell to just add
1: the gene you want to add? Either add the gene, knock out the gene, or completely cut out the gene. Okay. So edit so you can you can knock it out um, mm-hmm. by editing it by just randomly adding in a few a few base pairs and then of A or a T or a C or a G. And then if you just add it randomly in a section, then the protein that's formed off of the copy of the DNA. So for for anyone that doesn't know, our DNA works as a template of what proteins we produce. So it goes in, it reads the gene, it makes a copy of it, the inverse of what it is on the DNA strand, and then that goes into another mechanism inside of a cell and produces a protein. It could be a protein that breaks down milk so that now you don't get an upset stomach when you drink milk. Or it could be a protein that helps to make it so that insulin functions in the body and that it regulates your sugar. Mm. So what you can do is that if that one problem where you can have for a lot of disease states Mm -hmm. is you have a mistake somewhere. And the protein is supposed to have... A specific code mm-hmm. and now it doesn't and now that protein doesn't function because it's not exact mm-hmm. and so and, that's
2: what you're talking about some of the gene therapy to correct with this technology not that we are this advanced yet but you could correct an autoimmune disease or something like that where yeah. the body attacks itself
1: yeah completely plausible yeah one case is that you could make almost a corrected immune system Mm-hmm. And you can provide that to a patient. Say the immune system is attacking something it's not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You can add in an amount of B cells, T cells, the immune system, that now they'll circulate and they'll attack the things that they're supposed to attack. And they won't attack what they're not supposed to attack because you changed their gene slightly.
2: Right. So then I don't see any downside of this. What I, I don't understand where the controversy is coming from. So why not do this type of therapy to people? Yeah. I mean, I sure. guess at what point does it stop? I mean, I guess I'm answering my own question here, but okay, what is the easiest state to modify a person? That's that's what you're doing essentially, right?
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, that comes in the inherent question to relate it to something people might know a little bit more is the, the debate around AI. Mm-hmm. At what stage is it okay For a machine to think on its own and to be making decisions for a person, would you say that a machine should never make a decision for a person? Because a person should always be able to make their own decisions. You know, you shouldn't have a machine making the driving decisions because.
2: Yeah, but if I'm sick, I'm going to want to do that, you know?
1: Yeah, but, you know, what happens when somebody wants blue eyes in their child?
2: Well, I didn't say my child, I said
1: me. Yeah, but if you're affecting yourself at the earliest stage, at a single cell stage,
2: and that's where the somebody has to make a decision
1: for you. The
2: biggest controversy comes is at what point can we start affecting people?
1: Yeah,
2: and I mean that's a good good point. Is can CRISPR do that? Can they affect eye color? Is that something you could do?
1: Yeah, that's 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 the worries and the big. Ethics question around it is they call it designer babies. So if you've mm. looked in the news, you might have seen at some points people saying, Are we going to be able to have designer babies? Is somebody going to be able to say, I want a child that has blonde hair, blue eyes? Um, you should
2: use it, a different example.
1: Yeah, it has black yeah. hair and, and black eyes. What if somebody wants somebody with red hair and nobody in their family has ever had red hair? Because they just. Okay, like-
2: so I guess. That's the ethical question and what it comes down to is where do we stop? Do we just solve the autoimmune diseases? Do we solve diseases or starting to break down into preferences? Like, I want a thicker chin. I want better cheekbones. You know, I don't know. Those are examples.
1: And For another instance of a sort of pop culture is there was a show on that's called The Orville that's been off of Star Star Trek. And it's in one of the episodes, there is the mocklins are a species that are only male because they do are born female, but they believe that the male population is stronger and more superior in every way. So they have the technology to change them from, male, from female into male as a baby. And so it's law that you're required to. Wow. So that comes the question is, you know, is that because that's what they decided was what was important to them? You know, at what level is it OK to make a decision like that? So
0: where are we right now, then? Where is the technology right now? Is it still lab scale or is it still I mean, there was that news case that we talked about earlier, but where is the technology?
1: Yeah. Technology is, I would say, in its very early stages. It's in the lab, mostly used on yeast, single cell organisms, or even just cells, be it human cells in a little petri dish or any other type of cell, but typically in a small scale. There are some aspects where you can affect, like, a mice embryo, mm-hmm. and then you'll be able to grow, and that mice will now become a new lineage that has a specific aspect to it. So in science, all different research, be it type 1 diabetes, be it obesity, autism, it runs a spectrum, you know, goes from one end to the other. There are models of typically rats and mice that you Mm -hmm. can use that are supposed to simulate the biological environment of these disease states. And now there are cases where you can get new lineage of mice and rats that have been altered by CRISPR to be exactly what you want in the DNA strand. Hmm.
2: And is it just easier to work with at that embryo state because there's less cells at the time? Yeah. Is that why people do it?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of times a numbers game, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a million cells... And you need to affect 90% of them to be able to get an effect. Well, now you need to get 900,000 copies to go in.
2: You know, nowadays they do those genetic tests because we've mapped the genome. You know, oh, my, I can see that my son has Down syndrome. Like that would be something to maybe take out. Or, hey, I see that my son has green eyes. I want him to blue. And that's where the, the controversy comes in is at what point do we stop that?
1: Yeah, and I'd say Down syndrome and blue eyes are very much just extremes. But then you start getting into a gray area where a cleft palate, right? Is a cleft palate something that you should fix at an early stage or a later stage or not at all, right? That's very interesting.
0: Yeah,
2: interesting stuff. It's a tough ethical question because it's almost we're affecting evolution at that point. Yeah. we're, We're cutting out the things we don't want.
1: Or that we think we don't need. And can evolve into so much larger of a right. question, right? Because there's there's a lot of, in the news of uh, GMOs, genetically modified organisms. Right. So most insulin comes from a genetically modified organism. It comes from bacteria that has had a, a gene added into it to be able to produce insulin at a larger scale, to be able to make it cheaper. Now, insulin is not cheap in a lot of ways, but it's cheaper than it would be if we were still pulling it out of pigs. Yeah. And so, yeah, it comes to a question of, uh, I think with all science, how far do you push it, right? With self-driving cars, how far do you let it make its own decisions? Absolutely. To infinity and beyond. <laughs> As Buzz Lightyear would say.
0: <laughs> it's
1: fascinating
0: thank you yeah, Edward, is, for telling us about CRISPR
2: this is a very interesting topic
0: I, I learned a lot yeah me too <laughs> so are you working
1: with this CRISPR technology for your projects I have worked with CRISPR before it can take a lot of work mm-hmm. it's a very since it's so precise mm-hmm. you have to put in a lot of a lot of time to be able to, to figure out exactly what you want to do Mm-hmm. Um, because it will do what you type in. And I've done it. I've, I've done it with yeast before. And it's, uh, it's very interesting. I mean, there are methods that are cheaper and easier to do if you don't need it so precise. Mm-hmm. Like um, PCR? Yeah, like PCR. Or if, say, you just want to... So sometimes before you do CRISPR, mm-hmm. you'll add in a, a strand of DNA mm-hmm. and just it just to naturally go somewhere mm. because you don't know where the best spot for it is mm. and then sometimes when you get it in the right spot you find out it doesn't really matter in some ways and so then you don't need to spend the time making these specialized little strands you can just give it to it and add it in
0: cool
2: yeah that's really really cool yeah
0: well
1: i think That's all we have for this week.
0: I think we all learned a lot. At least I learned a lot. (laughs) I did too. Thanks, Edward. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. For IOIT, I'm Sriram. I'm Jim. And I'm Edward. Bye. Bye.